Welcome to the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. It's Indiana. Watford for the win! Yes! Yes! Unbelievable! Your daily home for complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. Welcome to Indiana basketball. Smart takes the shot, and the Hoosiers with three seconds. Go ahead. Indiana wins the championship. Keith Smart is the hero. When my time on earth is gone and my activities here are past, I want they bury me upside down and my critics can kiss my Now here's your host, Matt Dennison. It's Indiana. What I feel is the pinnacle, the absolute pinnacle of all of college basketball. Hello and welcome in Wednesday edition of the program. I was out yesterday, no show, so a lot to catch up on here in a quick hour today, but glad you're with us. We're in the middle of July, the middle of the NBA Summer League. Another evaluation for college coaches. Uh, The recruiting world heats up again this weekend with a four-day period beginning tomorrow evening, and we've got basketball, summer basketball that is, to talk about and lots of other things going on in the sports world as well. Let's take a look at this show lineup for today, a service of Honey Baked Ham in New Albany, segment one, as we always do. We'll take a quick look at the headlines and news of the day. There's a lot to get to. Trace Jackson Davis, Jalen Hood, Shafino. We've got uh, a read on their contracts now, what their contracts with the Lakers and the Warriors respectively are worth. Also, uh, some recruiting news for Indiana, some good news for IU women's basketball as far as their schedule goes for next season. And because we didn't have a show yesterday, how about this? Northwestern football coach Pat Fitzgerald has been fired after 17 years of coaching the Wildcats. Of course, a scandal broke out. It started as a two-week suspension after details came forward that there had been some hazing within the football program that uh, wound up uh, leading to his dismissal as the head coach. So some crazy off-season news at Northwestern with the football program, which, of course, we keep an eye on all the Big Ten programs that Indiana goes against. But uh, interesting there. And... It's been a quieter MLB draft because normally the University of Louisville locally has had a lot of big-name guys, guys that go in the first few rounds of the draft. That's not the case this year, but Indiana did have a couple guys get selected, so we'll tell you about that as well. And a local note on Little League softball, we've got another state champion coming back to Floyd's Knobs in southern Indiana. We'll tell you about that here in just a moment. Uh, also later today, we'll have with us on this Wednesday program, Dustin Dopirak of the Indianapolis Star. Dustin is with us on Wednesdays. We talk IU basketball, hoops, and more. And Dustin is either still in Las Vegas or just home from Las Vegas in the Summer League. So we'll catch up with him. He had a chance to see Trace and Jalen and catch up on all the headlines there. Of course, Trace Jackson Davis has yet to make his debut in the Vegas Summer League because of a minor injury issue. So we'll see, I think, a hamstring issue for Trace. We'll see if and when he's ready to make his debut. And no Race Thompson yet as well either for the New York Knicks. During the show, Josh Cook, sports editor of the News and Tribune, he will join. We always talk local sports in our Wednesday segment 
with Josh Cook. And it's a slower time, but football is creeping up on us. High school football will be here before you know it. I know that Josh has begun researching and uh, writing about the upcoming football season, so we'll talk about that and some other local headlines as well. That's the lineup, the service of Honey Baked Ham in New Albany. Don't forget to check out their dinner package deals, which are being offered. You can dine in, take them to go, and curbside service is still available as well at Honey Baked Ham in New Albany. Also, the Thornton's text line is open, that number 502-414-1450. Again, 502-414-1450. If you're looking for an icy, cold thirst quencher to keep your day going in the right direction, right now at Thornton's, all 32-ounce fountain drinks and smaller are only 89 cents. You heard it right, only 89 cents. So come in today and grab a fountain drink from Thornton's. Send us a text. It could be a question, a comment on IU basketball, football, local sports, whatever you want. We'll do our best to work it into the program here on this Wednesday edition of the show. Let's get into some headlines of the day. Jersey numbers, contact, contract details have been released for Trace Jackson Davis with the Golden State Warriors and Jalen Hood Shafino with the storied Los Angeles Lakers. Shafino, Hood Shafino, will wear number zero for the Lakers, which is pretty cool. And Jackson Davis will wear number 32 for the Golden State Warriors. Uh, as far as money goes, Hood Shafino signed a four year, $17,882,000 contract with the Lakers, and he will earn a base salary of $3 million. $695,040 for Hood Shafino. Trace Jackson Davis, a four-year, which we knew, two of those years are guaranteed, $7,639,000 contract with the Golden State Warriors. His base pay for the upcoming season will be a salary of $1,119,563. And the Gill guarantees Jackson Davis approximately uh, just over $3 million for two seasons. He has options for the third and fourth seasons of his NBA contract. So good for those guys. They go from NIL money, which was pretty good, we understand, especially for TJD, to some pretty good NBA contracts. And Jackson Davis getting a four-year deal with two of those years guaranteed is big stuff for him. And now we await his debut out in Las Vegas at the Summer League. But Hood Shafino continues to get a lot of playing time with the Lakers Summer League squad. He continues to have some pretty good stat lines. Probably would like to shoot it better, I'm sure, from three-point range. That's not always been something that's been real consistent here in the first few days at Vegas. But keep in mind, the Vegas deal's quick. It's over with soon. It's a handful of regular season games. Then they get into a playoff and work down to the final four. The teams that don't advance on in the winner's bracket, they get basically a consolation game. But, you know, the Summer League's important, as we've discussed, and we'll talk more about the day with Dopirak. It's an evaluation chance for NBA teams, not only of guys on their roster, but on other rosters as well that may become available or maybe they want to invite someone to a training camp to see if they can work their way onto a team. So it's big, especially for Race Thompson, if he can get there and if he can play. We know he's got uh, a leg injury right now that is keeping him sidelined. Also, IU recruiting, you expect this as we get to the middle part of the week and are in between evaluation periods. There have been... A lot of rumors, a lot of notes out there about scholarship offers and 
who Indiana and their coaches were watching most this past weekend down at the Peach Jam and the Adidas event all in that South Carolina, Georgia area. But Pat, Patrick Gongba is his name. He is a 2024 center from Paul V Catholic in Virginia, plays for Team Takeover. He announced his top eight schools yesterday, Duke, Indiana, Kansas, Kansas State, Kentucky, Michigan, Providence, and Yukon, according to Joe Tipton of On3 Sports. Gongba, the number 26 player nationally in the 2024 class, according to the 247 composite rankings. And again, just another guy, a high-level guy, a Duke-level person that Indiana is involved with. Now, it doesn't mean they're going to land him. It doesn't mean that he'll ever come to Bloomington for a visit. But Mike Woodson and his staff continue to be involved at a reasonable level with uh, a lot of really good prospects in the 24 and 25 classes. So I think it's really going to be interesting for Indiana and for fans that track the recruiting when this evaluation period ends in July. Now that uh, prospects can take senior year and junior year official visits and there's not near the limitations on those visits that there once were, I think Indiana is going to have a very crowded fall when it comes to people coming into Bloomington to see the campus. The one downfall uh, is IU football. I don't know how good they are going to be as far as helping add to the excitement of some of those weekend campus visits for the big-time basketball prospects coming into Bloomington. But Patrick Gongba, another name, he's considering Indiana in a big way. Indiana spent some time watching him in this first evaluation period. You can bet they'll be tracking him and team takeover on their next stop on this July circuit. But Gongba, definitely another name to to add to the IU basketball recruiting radar. IU women's basketball uh, continuing to have a good offseason. Transfer portal was good. Recruiting has went well. Terry Boring gets a big uh, extension on her contract, a big boost as well, a uh, financial boost to her contract after some big successful years. But it was announced yesterday that Indiana women's basketball will be participating in the Fort Myers tip-off on Thanksgiving. Indiana will play the uh, Tennessee Volunteers, which are a storied women's basketball program on Thanksgiving Day. That game will be broadcast nationally on Fox, and then they will take on Princeton the next day on November 25th. So a big Thanksgiving event that IU women will get an opportunity to play in. And I'll be honest with you, the big nationally televised game on Thanksgiving Day for women's college basketball, I think it's great, and I think it'll help Indiana get even more exposure nationally as Terry Morin leads this women's program in Bloomington to new levels. But Indiana and Tennessee, that's going to be one of the big matchups of the early part of the women's college basketball season. I was looking earlier today, ESPN way too early, top 25 for the 23-24 season. Indiana number five right now. And, of course, those things change in the offseason dramatically. Tennessee number 11 overall in that poll in the country. So uh, two, two great programs, a great Thanksgiving Day game. I like it. Good stuff. Also at IU football note, or really more a Big Ten football note, Patrick Fitzgerald, Pat Fitzgerald, uh, after 17 years, has been fired as the football coach at Northwestern. Uh, he was originally suspended for two, two weeks, and then it was announced uh, earlier this week that he has been fired from the position after additional details came f- forth about uh, hazing within the Northwestern football program. So amazing to see how some of this stuff can unravel and how quickly 
it can unravel. For Fitzgerald, it looked like a suspension, but the investigation showed some further issues of hazing. And just like that, Northwestern is without a football coach as we enter the middle of July. So I don't know if they'll go interim or promote someone from within to get them through this upcoming season. Awful late to have some big change where you bring somebody from the outside in so interesting to see what they will do. I am sure that an announcement of some sort will be forthcoming. But it's not often that you get into June or July uh, and get this close to the season. I mean, college football last night during the MLB All-Star game was advertised on a regular basis. It tells you that big-time national-level college football games are on the radar, and they will be here in a month and a half or less. And there are some big matchups scheduled early in the season they were promoting last night. So hard to go from that last night, some of the big early season games, to knowing Northwestern looking for a coach at this point of the offseason. Just amazing. Also, Major League Baseball draft. We'll talk more about the All-Star game a little bit later in the program today. But two IU players drafted, Craig Yoho, Former Indiana pitcher, he was selected by Milwaukee in the eighth round of the 2023 draft. And Philip Glasser, he was selected in the tenth round uh, by Washington and the Nationals yesterday. Of course, when it comes to the MLB draft, locally there was a player of note as well. Bishop Letson from Floyd Central, the right-handed pitcher, uh, he went with the uh, 332nd pick to the Milwaukee Brewers. Uh, yesterday. So I understand Letson is at Purdue already on campus there where he committed and signed and has some time to work on a deal with the Brewers as far as signing bonus and what his agreement with them could look like. And then he has a handful of, uh, of days to work it out and see if he wants to stay in college basketball with that commitment of three seasons and try to get drafted again. Or if the Brewers offer to him and his family is good enough and he wants to exit Purdue right away and go straight to the MLB, possibly to the farm system, you would think. Uh, we'll see what happens. But Bishop Letson, just another local guy from Clark and Floyd County, selected by an MLB team in the draft. Sometimes it works out for these guys. Sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes they turn the offer down and go on to college. We saw Tucker Biven of New Albany go to UofL, spurn some behind-the-scenes opportunities last draft to do so. But you never know. It's uh, an individual decision, and you never know what kind of deal that these players financially will be offered. So Bishop Letson, though, he is on the radar after an outstanding career at Floyd Central. He got better and better every season and uh, getting drafted by the Brewers. Now the ball is in his court to see what he wants to do moving forward with his baseball career. Also, the Floyd Snobs Community Club Junior League softball team, they brought home a state championship on Tuesday. I got a note from uh, some folks there that they defeated South Newton 15 to nothing. It was a shortened game because of uh, Floyd's Knob's dominance uh, and won the uh, tournament up in Fort Wayne at the World Baseball Academy. They now move on to represent the state of Indiana in the Central Region Tournament, which will take place also in-state July 20th through the 23rd up in Pendleton. So we'll see if Floyd's Knob's Community Club, who has been so dominant, not just at Junior League, but so many different levels of Little League softball, we'll see if they can continue to represent this area wearing those Indiana uniforms. And, of course, the next round would be to represent the Central Region. Softball goes to the Central Region. The baseball side of Little League, they go to the Great Lakes Region. So uh, those are your headlines for this Wednesday edition of the program. We'll head to a commercial break and come back with Dustin Doperak 
of the Indianapolis Star. Lots to get to with Dustin, who's been in Vegas. We'll talk Summer League. We'll talk IU basketball. We'll talk the women's program. And we'll get into some other stuff as well. Stay with us. This is the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. We're back on the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. Join Matt Daly at 11 a.m. for complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. I'll handle this the way I want to handle it now that I'm here. You it up to begin with. Now just sit there or leave. I don't give a what you do. Now, back to the game. Here's Matt Dennison. Graham Thornton's text line open at number 502-414-1450. Again, 502-414-1450. If you've got a question on IU basketball or maybe the NBA Summer League for Dustin Dopirak of the Indianapolis Star, who just got back, he told me, from Las Vegas last night. Dustin, how was your Summer League experience? Vegas and basketball, wall-to-wall, it sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, it's such an interesting event because obviously it's a, you know the games that don't matter, but they have this very uh, just interesting place in the in the you know calendar because you're there and and everybody's there uh, and and a lot of them are are watching too. It's it, it's obviously a situation where you're seeing all the really the biggest stars in the league walking around, but most of them aren't playing in the games. They're really checking out their much younger teammates. Um, you know, to get a sense, but then you've got all these sort of other luminaries and famous people and general managers and everything like that. You're seeing Jerry West walk around and Isaiah Thomas, and you know, I didn't see Kareem, but he was there. And obviously, what you know, you, you had the Wimbenyama experience um, and whatnot, and, and just there's just so much going on. And and you have between you know two um, and kind of the same venue that connects between Thomas and Mac Arena and uh, you know the Cox Pavilion, which is sort of right next door. And, you know, again, these these are two sort of you know courts that kind of connect to each other, and you're bouncing back and forth all day. Um, but you know, you, you're just seeing all these people around, and it's this big complex. And they've got uh, NBA Con was kind of across, not across town. That would be saying it's too far. It's probably I don't know, maybe a half a mile uh, or so away at the Mandalay Bay Convention Center. Uh, I didn't spend as much time there as I should have in retrospect. Um, but they had this sort of this big convention hall, and they had a court there where they actually. The Pacers practiced on, on Friday, the day before their game, so I got to check that out a little bit. Um, and just, again, just all, all these people are all bouncing around, you know, and you see all these players watching their teammates' games, and the Pacers in particular were really hooting and hollering, and they probably had seven, eight guys uh, show up to watch the Summer League games. And it, it's, it's a lot of fun. I, I need to do a better job, I think, of uh, planning it from a reporting perspective last year. I probably, or next year, I probably, like, committed... Uh, Time and resources hoping to get t- some stories that didn't turn out and, and probably would have been more effective in other ways. So I'm definitely in the, uh, you know, uh, re- uh, post-mortem period here of thinking what I need to do better next time I do it. But it's still still a cool event to be around. All right, Dustin Dopirak of the Indianapolis Star sharing some of his Vegas and Summer League experiences with us on the court. Give us a rundown of what you saw. Obviously, Hood Shafino continuing to get a lot of run for the Lakers, a lot of opportunity early on with their summer league team. Trace Jackson Davis still battling an injury. Same with Race Thompson. So from an Indiana perspective, 
not as much activity maybe as what you hoped. Yeah, no, I went down there expecting to try to ride on all three of those guys. Uh, and, and obviously Jalen, uh, Jalen was good, you know, just to, to start there. Um, you know, I think uh, when you put an NBA uniform on um, and just watch him operate, you, you can sense that, you know, that this is why he was so, uh, you know, that he, that he was so well-liked as a prospect. He's just so in control, you know, and, like, you, you get the sense that it'll be that way for every, you know, uh, every level he's at. Like, he doesn't necessarily have to be the guy that's blowing everybody away, but, like, you know, I think he only had maybe seven, eight points in the game. I saw them play against the Lakers on, or the Warriors on, on Friday night that I thought was going to be the Huchofino trace game. Um, and he was, you know, but he, he, he didn't score a whole bunch, but he was just solid. Like, you couldn't take the ball off of him. You know, like, you, you can't pick his pocket, really, you know, because he's just so steady with the ball. His handle is tight. You know, like, he does not get sped up. He plays the game at the pace that he wants to play it. Um, and so I thought that was really impressive. Just, again, he just couldn't be knocked off of this game. And I didn't get a chance to see him the second game. Um, but, you know, I saw just good numbers, 15 points. I think he had a bunch of assists. I think he only had one or two turnovers. So he just has had good, solid lines. He's done a really good job of, of running that team. You know, it's going to be interesting to see kind of where he slots in. They're starting to have the Angela Russell, and obviously LeBron James is, you know, not, never nominally the point guard, but he's sort of, you know, he's, he's the guy running the show. Um, so it's obviously an interesting place to be in. But, I mean, um, if he's running second team, uh, he's going to be a pretty – pretty steady i think he's going to be very nba ready and, and, and good to go when he gets there um but to go forward obviously the bummer you know bummer trace was out with the hamstring injury did get to see him it was pretty cool and uh if you could actually see it on the video that i have of jalen um uh, that uh, when we were inter- interviewing him he came around him and, and sort of you know threw his big right arm around him, kind of popped him on the shoulder and said you know we got a superstar right here and that, that was kind of cool even though trace was out uh he went to see jalen while he was being interviewed and, and you know, they're on different teams now, and that was kind of cool. Uh, also, I should mention for Matt, a couple other guys, a couple other Indiana guys that were there for that game. Will Sheedy is, is in a- analytics. I got a, I didn't interview him, but I got a chance to, to talk with him and catch up, which was really nice. Uh, you know, it's, you know just, it's been a while since I've seen him. Last time he was still a college kid, and he's just grown up so much. You know, I mean, he's got to be in his 30s now. Uh, but he's in analytics. And one thing he told me that I thought was cool, that I, that I think is worth sharing, he's like, you know, I really like the idea of being, um, uh, you know, trying to change the game um, and, you know, just, just looking at the game that way. And obviously he's in a great place to do that with Golden State. So uh, so for all, that, all the Will City fans out there, he's still doing well. Uh, and uh, he's really liking his job and liking where he's at out in San Francisco. But, yeah, Race apparently didn't make it, uh, you know, saw some various rumors about the knee injury being pretty serious. They just, you know, the Knicks just said it was sore, and obviously sore can mean anything um, because, I mean, you could just, you know, you, you can have an ACL tear and technically it's sore. Um, so you're not necessarily lying. Um, but, you know, it obviously was bad enough that he couldn't make the trip, you know, and they indicated that he would not be there at all. Um, so it's not like he's coming in 10 days in or six days in or whatever. So the, I, they, they didn't say what. The extent was, but, you know, it, it could be any level of severity, which does in the injury, so that's a tough break, obviously, when you just have a summer league contract um, that you just you just don't get the opportunity to put a show on at all. Um, and usually it's toward the end, of, you know, games three, four, and five, once kind of the main rookies and the top players, you know, maybe stop playing uh, is when you kind of get a better look at some of these guys that were maybe making a shot for G League opportunities and, and Brace won't have the opportunity at this summer league.
Yeah, that stinks for him. Dustin, these next two points I want to bring up about the Summer League don't have really any connection to Indiana or the Pacers, which I know was your focus when you headed out west. But uh, Victor Wimbiana played two games for the Spurs. One was a little underwhelming. The other was pretty dominant. And then the Spurs shut him down for the summer. He's back in, I guess, San Antonio to rest, maybe work out. I'm not sure. But any impression of him that you get a chance to see him before he exited Vegas? Yeah, I did. I was there. Uh, I was there for game one. I, I missed game two mostly because I was trying to get uh, uh, Kamar Baldwin of Butler fame. Um, you know, trying trying to. I went went to go see him, and I was talking to Celtics PR, hoping to get him after the game. So I wanted to kind of be there and be present, uh, even though he wasn't even dressed out for that game. So I kind of made a gamble there that did not pay off because uh, Baldwin didn't come down for presser stuff, but. Um, so I missed game two of, of Wembenyama, and I, I watched a little bit of it on, um, like I had it on my computer, so I saw some of the stuff he was able to do, and he certainly a lot better. Definitely seemed like there was maybe some nerves there, but there were a few things I thought was really impressive, even in game one. I mean, I think the biggest thing is he just didn't shoot the ball well in game one at all, and, and he also, I think the biggest thing he learned is, you know, driving the basketball is not going to be easy for him. They are going to attack him, and they are going to try to pick his pocket because I mean, he is a big, tall guy, and even though he's got a really, really good handle, for a guy that's seven five, it's still still tough for a guy that's that tall uh, to be able to kind of keep it tight when he's driving it in. Um, you know, with six three, six four, six five guys who have really really quick hands, uh, and they sort of all swarmed him um, when he's trying to drive the basketball. And I, I, I thought that's where he was really noticeably ineffective. And again, I think he just he just missed shots too. He had a couple clear open ones um, that I think he, you know, usually makes, uh, or, or at least usually makes, you know, one out of every three. And he was ended up being like one out of nine in the night. Um, so that was kind of tough, but I, I thought it was, I was really impressed by his feel. Um, I was really impressed by just the passes he made. Uh, he was really sharp at moving the ball around, obviously defensively, uh, he's good at blocking shots cause he's so big. He just didn't have to try that hard. <laughs> just has to be there. Um, and he's really above the ball and obviously he's able to rebound it really easy. Just uh, again, he's a big, he, again, he's just a, a fascinating uh, specimen of a player because he's just so long. He's just there's just so much uh, to him height wise, and so he could just be such a force just because he's got all that height. Obviously, he could use the muscle, and, and I think you saw how much that was missing um, in, in game one. Is that he's not really he's not able to push anybody around right now because there's just only so much muscle to him, and he's aware of that. Um, and it's something he's got to work on if he's going to be really, really dominant uh, at this level. There's, there's just got to be a little more to him. He, he can't get, you know, he can't get pushed around as much as he was. But I, I, I was impressed by the fact that he adjusted uh, to a lot of things, got better. I mean, I, I didn't break down enough of, of game two to see what all went right for him. Um, but apparently, a lot did. Uh, you know, apparently there was a big difference, and so, so that was good because I think we saw too many takes coming out of it. It's like, is he the biggest bust ever? It's like it's the summer league game. People take it easy. Um, but, uh, you know, all, all, all in all impressed. I, I, I think, you know, I, I, the one thing that I pushed back on about the Wembenyama hype was just putting him on the LeBron James level. Um, and I, I came to, and, and this I think was reinforced though, is that like, I think with LeBron, you always had a sense that he was built to last for as much as he was at a different level than we'd seen it. it he wasn't something so crazy to look at that we didn't have a sense of what it could do. You know, you knew, you'd seen bodies like his before, at least close to him. He was probably more dexterous than most guys that size, but, you know, he wasn't a level of big that was beyond our imagination. Um, 
you know, you, you had a kind of an idea of what his skill set could do with that body, and, and there was sort of big things to imagine, but you sort of knew that, you know, he was built for it. Uh, where, in this case, you're talking about something that we've never seen before, um, as far as his com- combination of size and skill, and we kind of don't know how it holds up under pressure. Um, and so there, there is, I think, a, a lot of unknown with him. Um, that, I mean, like, it's worth buy the ticket, take the ride. I mean, if I was San Antonio, I would taken him without blinking too so i'm not suggesting by any means that someone should have double uh you know like thought twice about the idea of taking him um but you know before we crown him the greatest player ever we do have to realize we don't really know how uh his body is going to react to the pounding of playing a whole nba season dustin dopirak the indianapolis star our guest one other quick thing about vegas before we get into some iu stuff i tell you what i couldn't believe watching on television Flipping around to some of these games at the two locations in Vegas, the crowd is unbelievable, especially for some of the nighttime to evening main matchups. The environment there for summer league basketball, which essentially is evaluation opportunities for the franchises, the front offices, the byproduct of it is the fans get to come and be part of it. But the crowd seemed unbelievable. Then it seriously has grown in recent years something amazing. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, especially for the Wemby game. I mean, it was it was wild. It was tough because when he starts missing shots, that there there becomes this sort of growing disappointment. Uh, you know, being in the arena for that was they went from just hype, but you know, more hype than you can even imagine, to oh man, oh come on, you know, uh, he's got to make one of these, <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. There was sort of like oh, you know, like every time he put one up and it wouldn't go down, you would like everyone would just like kind of hold their breath for a minute and then it, and it wouldn't transpire. You're like, Oh, that's kind of rough. But no, I mean like it's, it's, it's a big deal. It's a big event. Um, and it's, and it's obviously different in terms of how a crowd reacts because they're not there to root on a specific team and they're not invested in, in like living and dying the same way that, that it is the case for a regular season game or certainly not a playoff game, but they're there to be dazzled. You know, they're, they're not just like so much there to root or, or be invested in results of games. But they're there to see these rookies and, and even second-year players and be sort of individually dazzled by what they do. Um, so that's kind of cool. And, and but they also are they are interacting more. Like a, a part of it is to inter- try to interact with players and coaches and everything. And everybody's trying to get pictures with people and stuff like that. Um, and things signed and whatever. And, and that's a kind of a part of the uh, experience. And you know, try to interact with you know again various types of luminaries and, and, you know, just seen and be seen because you're seeing people bop around like, you know, you're walking, you know, you're just walking around the concourse and, you know, there's NBA superstars just walking just past you or guys who are great college players or coaches or, you know, like, I mean, I walked past Jerry West multiple times. You're just like, that's, that's Jerry West. Like, oh my God. Um, and so the, the, the crowd is there for that. Like it's different. It's a Vegas crowd. So it's, like that's a whole different scene in and of itself, you know, because that's just part of Vegas is just you know seeing and be seen and and taking in just the spectacle that it is. Like that that's sort of the mindset of the fan is is to take in the spectacle um, as opposed to being there to try to affect the outcome, as, as is the case in like a playoff game. Um, but you know, it, it draws really well. There's a lot of people there. You know, a lot of people go to check it out and. Um, you know, again, just, just to be part of, of everyone that's there. Talking to Dustin Dopirak of the 
Indianapolis Star. You can read Dustin's work at IndyStar.com slash sports. Getting into IU for a moment, obviously the story right now is off-season work going on in Bloomington and the coaches often not in Bloomington this month because there are some various evaluation opportunities last month and now this month for them to hit the road. After the Peach Jam, after the Adidas event, those to me the big uh, start to the summer to the month of July. Now it's kind of wait and see where Indiana's at with some of these prospects. And, of course, they'll be back out on the road again this weekend looking at some of the same guys, I'm sure, again. But Indiana continues to be involved with a number of big-time prospects. And coming out of the Peach Jam, I tell you what, uh, they were uh, all in for some of the big names like Trent Sicily, Jalen Harrelson, and the in-state guys that you would expect Mike Woodson to probably focus on the most. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, I think that's, um, it's, that, that's certainly a, a big key for them. They, they've been on top of those guys for years now, um, and you, you obviously have to stick with them. And I think that's I, I think that's obviously a big thing for Mike um, that, you know, it would be big to, to land a big, uh, you know, in-state recruit. I mean, I think it, it's – I'm trying to think of just everybody he's got uh, to this point. You, you know, it hasn't really – there haven't been a ton of big in-state ones um, over the past couple of years. He's obviously gone sort of national to get his bigger pieces, certainly Jalen Pochettino, uh, you know, Malik who obviously kept C.J. Gunn, who was already in the fold um, with, uh, with Archie Miller. But he obviously certainly had to spread out. Uh, a good bit to get players, and but you know you've got a couple coming down the pike um, that are you know back to being sort of that that you know sort of top guys um, you know in the class, guys that are nationally up there. So obviously there's a couple guys that he's really got to be involved in, but certainly again continuing to do a good job of you know not it is it is really important to you know maintain your base in the state. Um, you know you, I think that's just the most important natural resource that an Indiana coach has is that there's always going to be. Uh, you know, a certain amount of talent, a reliable amount of talent uh, coming out of Indiana, even though from a population standpoint, it's, you know, not that big. It's like the amount that you're putting out per capita is pretty high. Um, but, he, you know, he, he's really, really connected, and certainly you've seen him be successful uh, in landing these big national recruits. You know, but obviously, Mackenzie and Bocco and, and Jalen Huchifino at the time, and Luke Renew, you know, it, he's showed that he's capable of sticking his nose in there. Uh, and going and getting guys from, you know, well out of state, you know, from national programs uh, that, you know, from national high school program programs that recruit themselves. Uh, and he's been really effective at that. So, he, 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 you know, um, I, I, what I still, if I'm an Indiana fan, what I would still want to see from him is just the ability to kind of have some kind of consistent pipeline. It sort of seems like you go from, like, one blue chip, you know, knock your socks off recruit uh, and it's like sort of one per year. Um, so I think that you'd, you'd want to see a more sort of steady base coming through and, you know, get something like that established, that it's not just all the five-star, superstar guys, but there are some, you know, kind of role players that you're able to get, either in-state or close to it, or, or sort of build a wider base in terms of who you're recruiting. But he's certainly always able to get his nose in with everybody. Uh, there are among the bigger players, but certainly he stayed uh, consistent with Harrelson and with Sisley. Uh, you know, staying in their recruitment, and because obviously that's going to be a big one, and certainly they're if, if you know they already have a lot of national names that are interested in them, and it's only going to get bigger as, as they go further into their recruiting process. All right, Dustin. Any other news or movement you're hearing on Flory Bedunga at Kokomo? He uh, was going to maybe take another visit to Indiana before making a decision, and school starts back there August second. So if he's going to follow through wow. with that, uh, that's coming up quick. It sounds like Duke, Kansas. 
maybe taking hold of that recruitment. But any insight there? What have you read? What have you seen? I haven't seen much. I haven't seen much new, but I haven't, I haven't been paying enough attention to it. I know Kyle Medrep's been all over it because Kyle Medrep is all over everything. Um, <laughs> but uh, you know, so Kyle, Kyle owns that stuff. But uh, I mean, I, I haven't seen anything new. I mean, I presume that you know, like I, I know Indiana is stuck is stuck in it. But like you said, I mean, it's you know, he is going to be one of the, he is one of the biggest recruits in that class, and they're obviously certainly going to have to send off you know Duke and Kansas to try to keep him in state. Uh, not going to be easy to do that. Um, you know, I don't, I don't, I remember talk about him getting another visit in. I mean, I imagine they'll try to get it done. Certainly, you still have a couple more weeks, and, and and you know, you have all this time uh, in between the events. You know, during July that, that you can pull that off in, in in the middle of the week and whatnot. So before they head out every you know Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, uh, you know, for the week, you can get get them around you know in the middle of the week. So. Yeah, I haven't. I haven't seen enough. I want to like. I I want to say that you should be optimistic that he should he should get it in, um, but I haven't read close enough to say for sure whether that's going to happen. Absolutely, Dustin Opirak with us. Final quick thing: IU women's basketball, a Thanksgiving Day game, nationally televised against Tennessee. It's amazing. IU's women's program has taken some huge step forward uh, in recent seasons, both with the success, but also recruiting and transfer portal and even national exposure. Mm-hmm. No, certainly. And, and you know, these are the third games that it's just the fact that like Tennessee wants to schedule a game with you and do it on Thanksgiving uh, is a big deal. Like when that means you, you've, you've raised certainly several stratospheres uh, from what they used to be. Uh, you know, I mean, that, that, that's, that's such a big deal. I think uh, it's obviously important. I think for uh, you know women's basketball to take on big stages and, and put themselves in a position where uh, they can be a big draw on a day when everybody's watching TV. I mean, obviously you're, you're competing with football. You're competing with the NFL at that point. Um, but you know, no one says you can't watch both. Uh, and you know, but again, to, to be with a you know like Tennessee is as big as it gets. Obviously, UConn. I think certainly you would have to say is a level above the start of sort of being the most sort of historically dominant program. Uh, in women's college basketball, but Tennessee's right behind them. And certainly when you consider all the, the legacy of Pat Summit and whatnot. So, you know, to, you know, for them to say, okay, who are we going to play on, th- on Thanksgiving Day on national TV and say Indiana, that's a big deal. Yeah, for sure. Dustin Dopirak, glad you're back. Glad you enjoyed Las Vegas. Thank you for being with us Wednesdays here on the show. Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me. All right, Dustin Dopirak, the Indianapolis star, just back from Vegas and the NBA Summer League. A lot of insight with Dustin here in this segment. We'll head to a commercial break. Josh Cook will not be with us today. We're going to come back and talk some local sports headlines, and I want to bring up the MLB All-Star game last night as well. So stay with us for that here on this Wednesday edition of the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. We're back on the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. Let's win this and for all the small schools who never had a chance to get here. Join Matt Daly at 11 a.m. for complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. Let's win for Coach. You got us here. Here's Matt Dennison. All right, we're back on this final segment of our Wednesday program. 
meant to mention this earlier, but sad news for Jerome Hunter, former IU player who came in with a lot of potential and the ability maybe to be an NBA player someday, had so many issues at Indiana, some medical issues that kept him off the court. Then he entered the transfer portal, committed to Xavier, seemed to be a good landing spot for him, but I saw yesterday Xavier has announced that he is sidelined right now with a medical condition that is going to keep him out of all on-court basketball activities. It said uh, the medical team is working with Jerome to navigate a path for his return to full health. His timeline for a return to basketball will be established at a later time. So you wonder if it could be some of the same issues he experienced at Indiana, but really sad regardless because a guy that had coming out of high school so much potential to be an impact player at the high major level of college basketball and who knows, maybe a future pro. He has really had some struggles medically since he's been in college, both at Indiana, now at Xavier. Hoping he was past that, but again, don't want to make assumptions. We don't know the situation specifically, but he is sidelined right now from basketball activities because of a medical issue. All-Star game, Major League Baseball All-Star game last night uh, was a lot of fun. I know some people love All-Star games. Some people dislike All-Star games. But I always try to watch the National League team, a 3-2 winner over the American League. And Justin Kalen, producer, I want to bring you on here for just a second. What stood out to me, and maybe it's the radio background or broadcasting that we've done a lot of over the years, but I'm always intrigued at how all-star games are often experiments for Major League Baseball or the NBA to try different things. And a year ago, I remember thinking it was crazy that the announcers in the broadcast booth were communicating with outfielders as they were taking fly balls, as they were in a live game. But last night, briefly, they took things to a whole nother level because not only did they have the pitcher mic'd up in the game, but they actually had a pitcher and a batter going against each other, both mic'd up in communication with each other and the broadcast booth. Did you see that? And how crazy did you think that was? Yeah, I did see that. That was awesome. Um, anytime you watch these events like this, you hope for extracurricular stuff like that because it's you, you want to give the fans an opportunity to learn these players more and, and, and know them better. And, yeah, I, I just really thought that was cool, especially and I think Corbin Carroll was the batter. At one, at the one I saw, and I can't remember who was pitching at that point, but they had the first baseman mic'd up too, Freddie Freeman. And Freeman, before Carroll got up to the plate, he was basically just calling the pitches. He was hit him with a cutter outside, and the and Eovaldi is who it was, and he would throw cutter outside and get the guys swinging or whatnot. So yeah, that was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed that aspect of the All Star Game last night. It makes you wonder where is Major League Baseball headed next? Every year they seem to push the limits on that kind of stuff. And obviously, big difference from an all-star game to a regular season game or a playoff game. It's, for the most part, all in fun. But those guys, you can see, the pitchers especially, I mean, very competitive. They know that they've only got one inning in an all-star game to make some noise and uphold their reputation of an all-star, one of the best pitchers in Major League Baseball. But you do wonder what's next. Every year they push the limit. I like it. I, I, I get some of the traditionalists that say, you know, maybe they don't like it or they think it takes away from what baseball is. But curious to see where MLB takes this thing. 
I uh, yeah, I'd like to see this trickle down into regular season games too, and even into the playoffs. And now you you obviously wouldn't mic up the pitcher and the batter, but you could mic up somebody out in the field, and and we've seen that in the past a little bit. But yeah, I'd like to see that pick up more, and not just in baseball, Matt, but in just across sports as a whole. We've seen golf; they've started to do a little bit more of that stuff, interviewing their golfers as they're playing their rounds, and it just it makes you it gives you a a clue just how real these people are you know because we lose sight of that because they're professional athletes but they're people too and it's easy to see that side of them when they're mic'd up yeah absolutely justin kalen producer uh thank you justin oh yeah appreciate you hopping on for a moment no problem that's going to wrap things up for this wednesday edition of the program if you missed the live show all you got to do is search for the hoosier report with matt dennison wherever you listen to podcasts we will Uh, Be there for you on demand and, of course, live each weekday at 11 a.m. on the Big X, 1450 a.m., 96.1 FM, streaming online at BigXSportsRadio.com. All sorts of ways to hear us live or on demand on podcast as we talk IU basketball, football, local sports, and more. Back with you Thursday at 11. This is the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. (laughs) 